Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. If we listen well, stories help us learn and teach us ways to act. Each year, John Tallheimer and Chuck Smickin deliver thousands of seminars around the country to business owners, executives, and HR professionals, discussing the fundamentals of human resources, best legal practices, and risk reduction activities for organizations. This podcast allows us to dig deep into the human resources experience and see where businesses go wrong. Each episode, we share a different story where a company missed the mark, and then we'll provide recommendation based on our years of working in the human resources field. Sit back, listen, learn, and act. Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. And now our host, John Tallheimer and Chuck Simikian. Oh, Chuck, how are you today? I am fantastic. Great to be back for another week of HR Stories podcast and another fantastic story today. Oh, that's great. How was your week? I heard you were doing some uh, training this week. What were you training on? Yeah, today I or this past week, I, I, had, I did an on-site in-person, which was great. I always love being in front of people. And this class was on building rapport, rapport with people. This was a group of auditors. Uh, oh. They work for a company. Exactly. They, they work for a company uh, and they're not, not accounting auditors, but they would audit uh, quality. It was a manufacturing company. They build um, uh, certain things. So they audit quality, they audit safety, and uh, they wanted to know how to build better rapport when they go on site throughout the world, by the way, to audit a, a lot of these facilities. And they have a checklist, by the way. And we love checklists, don't we, John? We do. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I could imagine like as an auditor, you're going in and automatically the other person's defenses are up. They're worried. They're feeling like you're the person that's going to come and catch them doing something wrong. So I can imagine that must be really hard how to build that rapport. So what were some of the tips and tricks you came up with? Sure. Well, the first thing I did, by the way, since I do a lot of HR audits where I'm the guy, I'm that person that shows up and whether it's a business owner or another HR person, immediately I'm auditing their HR processes, and HR files, and you know, right off the bat, they're going to be um, a little hesitant. So I told those folks. And so I built rapport that way that said, I understand what it's like. And I actually told a few jokes and said, isn't it great when you go in and people love you, they embrace you, they hug you, and they're laughing because we all know what it what it takes. No one wants to be told, um, you know, their, their processes are not working. But we talked about a couple of things, flexing communication and behavioral style, uh, talked about, um, you know, emotional intelligence and 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 also understanding a little bit about how your demeanor is, how you're coming across, uh, how to read the room, shall we say, uh, how to confront conflict, you know, with a little bit of more confidence, and how how to tamp down the flames of confident of of conflict rather than throwing a little bit of fuel on it, because that can happen when you are uh, auditing. Right, yeah, because it's a high pressure. I mean, I don't want to say a high pressure, but it's a stressful situation, most likely for the other person. And if you come in and you're stressed and you're worried, that's just going to add to it, right? And it's going to build that up and there's going to be more tension, more emotions being thrown around. I, I bet you that was a great subject. How did they take it? How did, they, how did the class go? 
they 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 uh clapped at the end of the class for me and i did a little bow so wow yeah i was okay yeah. with that yeah it's nice being back in person isn't it it's so nice to be back in person and kind of had that interaction get to see faces and stuff i i'm i'm as I, as we get back into this and i'm doing more and more uh in person classes i am really enjoying that interaction what about you? Tell me about some of your workshops this week. All right. Well, so I did a lot this week. I was busy. Um, but the two workshops I did this week were about how to HR without HR, uh, really what they were. Um, I was working for another company and they were virtual. Unfortunately, they were virtual. Um, and so we had, we had a lot of great discussions about a lot of different things. The one I was thinking about this morning was the interview process, right? The mm. interview process. Um, and in particular, what are the questions we should be asking and what are the questions we shouldn't be asking? Um, you know, what are those questions we should avoid? What, what ones we shouldn't avoid? Um, and as you know, Chuck, you know, in our, our, our secret that's coming out, we can't talk about it yet, but we, Chuck and I have something that's coming out very soon. Um, we talk about this, right? We talk about this, about what questions to avoid, what questions we should be asking in an interview. One of the questions that always comes up that should we ask or should we not ask is, do you have a car? Mm, okay. What do you think, Chuck? Do you have a car? What do you think? Well, I, you know, first of all, we stopped anything along those lines asking that question uh, years ago, because when you ask someone if they have a car, then you could be discriminating against people that don't have cars. And who are the people that don't maybe have cars? Uh, could they be people at a lower economic um, status? Nowadays, I got to tell you, there's a lot of people that don't have cars because you have a lot of other alternatives. But back in the day, and it still has that stigma, you didn't have a car, you were from a, a specific economic uh, strata, shall we say, uh, maybe a... a, a it, you know, there might have been some race or um, anything, uh, something like that uh, could have been layered into that. So there could have been some sort of discrimination. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And so, I mean, and so I, I will say that we should not be asking that question. Do you have a car with a little caveat, right? A little caveat. Um, if they're going to be driving. Right. If they're going to need the car during their job, so if they have to go to different sites, they have to go to different clients, whatever, then it's okay to ask. Um, but otherwise, we shouldn't ask that. And so a lot of people will fall back to, oh, well, do you have reliable transportation? Mm. Um, I don't like that question. I don't like that question because it's not, that's not what we want to know, right? Well, I don't care if you have reliable transportation or not. That's not what I'm asking. What we're really asking is, can you be here on time, right? That's mm -hmm. what we want to know. Can you be at work on time? Um, I was working for a company and I uh, created a position, Chuck, you'll like this. I created a position that started at 4 a.m. in the morning, um, and so when we were doing our interview process, right, we were doing the interview process, we would ask, like, we would ask, um, the requirement of this job is for you to be here at 4am in the morning, four times a week. And then we would just say, can you meet that requirement? Now, because it was 4am in the morning, and there was no public transportation, we would always let them know and say, hey, look, just so you know, there's no public transportation at that time. 
Yeah. And, and that, that would make sense. And, uh, when I worked at Walt Disney world back in the, uh, mid late eighties, Disney was still literally in the middle of nowhere, even though it doesn't seem like it, they're way outside of Orlando. Uh, there was only one bus line that came down there. People would want to come down to get jobs at Disney, but they weren't thinking about how they could get to work, especially since, um, you know, the parks could be open till 11, 12 o'clock at night. They could work till one, two in the morning. So we would ask about reliable transportation, but I have to tell you, I stopped asking that question uh, a number of years ago with myself and other clients that I, I deal with, but um, that's a great yeah. That's a great topic to, to yeah, bring up. I mean, especially now, well, right, you know, HR professionals that have been in the business for a long time. Um, they get it. They know. And I, I so in, in my classes, I do a quiz, right? In my classes, I do a quiz with, are we allowed to ask these questions or not? Um, and it's interesting watching people's answers come in. Um, and I will say that most people get 75% right. Most people get 75% <laughs> right. Some people don't, right? And you could tell those are just, they're just new to HR. They've just been introduced to HR. Um, they just don't know. And then some people get 100% because they've been, they're recruiters. They've been interviewing for a long time and they kind of get that. One of the things that we just released, Chuck, um, is our how to HR without HR department. Exactly. Um, so it is a guide for people. It's about 20 pages long. And it really walks you through employee management practices. Um, and so if you're a small business owner, uh, new to HR, this is a wonderful um, guide to help you kind of deal with those sticky situations. Okay, it's only 20 pages long. It's not going to give you everything, but it will give you some foundational stuff that you need to know to understand what you need to be doing in the workplace. So I highly recommend that you, we'll put that in the, um, show notes and definitely download that and make sure that. You and it, it is free. It is free, folks. Oh, wait, it's free. Did you mention that? Yes, it's free. Oh, no, yes, I knew it was free. Um, yeah, absolutely free, right? So it's completely free. Um, lots of great information. We have a lot of people downloading it right now. Um, so definitely jump on that. Make sure you get that as well. Yeah. So uh, what about the HR team of one community? Before we get into our story, John, I, I want to talk about the HR team of one community which is our fantastic Facebook page. We are close to breaking 1,900 people of HR professionals interacting, helping each other, posting all kinds of great questions, getting all kinds of great input and answers from their colleagues. What's going on? What's the buzz on HR Team of One community Facebook page? Well, there's a really lot going on there as there usually is, right? I mean, as we're looking at these things, we see a lot of those, uh, lots of different questions. And it, I, I, what I love about it is the diversity of questions that people get. We had we had somebody saying, look, I'm in a pickle. I got this job offer letter. I wasn't sure how to handle it, right? And so we had those. Um, we had an employee leave the company. This is the one we had. An, somebody had an employee leave the company but was rooming with another person in the company and then influencing that person's thinking. And the HR person's like, how do I deal with it? How do I do it? And I thought Chuck's advice was great. It's like, just worry about your employee. Do not mm -hmm. let that roommate be a distraction because typically, right? And when we're dealing with this, I think a lot of times we think about it as, well, that was an ex-employee, that kind of stuff. But we really just need to think about dealing with our employees on there and kind of jumping in there to do that. So I thought that one was good as well. 
Um, I love that people, not only Chuck and I and the team at HR Stories, but other people are adding stuff, adding content in there as well. Um, and they'll answer, right? We had somebody had a travel policy. And so somebody was giving them the gsa.gov per diem rates and what you can do and that kind of stuff. So lots of great, good information on there, Chuck. I don't know if there's a story that rang for you that you wanted to call out. Well, I just wanted to point out, folks, this is a great resource. It's free. Jump on HR Team of One community. Give you an example. Someone posted uh, two days ago uh, uh, that uh, about an employee giving notice and they uh, should they pay out the PTO? What should they do? And they didn't they, they gave notes and they quit at the last minute. And she had 19 comments. People jumping in to tell her, hey, here's what we would do. Or someone jumped in and asked a question about hiring out of state uh, employees and they need to register in each state and they're not sure what to do and how to do it. They got eight comments from other HR professionals saying, hey, here's what you can do. Here's some ideas. Here's some resources. Um, I love this one. This one lady says, my son's graduating from Penn State. Go Nittany Lions, right? <laughs> um, with a bachelor's degree in HR. Uh, does anyone have any advice or anything for them? And, you know, at least four people, 96 people saw it, four people jumped up, jumped in. So there's a lot of interaction, a lot of help. And um, it's just such a, such a, a pleasure to go through and, and moderate and, and watch a lot of these uh, comments. That's great. All right. Well, I think it's time for a break, Chuck. Do you want to give us a tease about today's story? Sure. Yeah. So folks, uh, John, you like grocery shopping, don't you? I love, well, I do actually. It's one of my passions. Okay. I do like the grocery yeah. shop. So today's story has intrigue and drama. Of course, all stories that we do have that, but this has to deal with grocery stores, has to deal with logos, has to do with religious accommodations and potential retaliation. Folks, we'll see you back in just a few minutes. We'll see you back after the break. Hi, this is Chuck, co-host and storyteller at the HR Stories podcast. We present thought-provoking stories about where a company went wrong with lessons and ideas about how to avoid their fate. But we find our listeners are looking for more practical ways of implementing these ideas, making the right decisions, and staying legally compliant. So the HR Stories team created a resource specifically to focus on just that. How to HR Without HR is a free downloadable resource guide that the team at HR Stories has developed and are now offering to our listeners. Packed full of basic and helpful resources, it is a quick guide for small business owners and those who have HR responsibilities to make the right decisions, stay legally compliant, and maintain good employee relations. The team at HR Stories loves sharing HR Stories and we love educating our listeners about how the pitfalls of employment management practices can affect you. Our free guide, How to HR Without a Human Resources Department, combines our years of management and HR knowledge, and it is available now to our listeners. Visit our website at hrstoriespodcast.com. That's hrstoriespodcast.com to download your free copy today and 
Keep listening to the HR Stories podcast, where the lesson is always in the story. All right, welcome back to break, everyone, our listeners out there. Uh, welcome back from break. So every HR Stories podcast is built on a story. And what, what Chuck and I have realized is that there are a lot of lessons that we can learn from other people's stories, right? And so when we listen to these stories, and what Chuck and I do is we scrub the internet, we go and look, we take our HR resources, we talk to small business owners, and we hear these stories, and we share them with you. So you can go, oh, I'm not going to make that mistake. Um, and so we can do it, right? And so we try to build these stories up. They're very interesting. This story is definitely going to be interesting today. Uh, Chuck did give me a sneak peek of it. And so I'm excited. Chuck, are you there? Are you ready to go? I am ready to go. All right. Well, tell us the story. I'm really interested right. in finding out a little bit about the story. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Cue the music. All right. <laughs> so... Brenda Lawson and Trudy uh, Rickard worked at a Kroger grocery store in Conway, Arkansas. See, Lawson, uh, Brenda Lawson, uh, worked at Kroger in their deli department since 2011. And Rickard, uh, Trudy Rickard, had worked as a cashier and file clerk since 2006. So, so long-term employees. Yeah, both fairly long-term employees. Um, but in April 2019, Kroger changed its dress code requiring employees to wear a newly designed apron with a nice heart logo embroidered in the top left portion of the bib. Oh, of that, that sounds logo. nice. Yeah. That I mean, nice, that nice is a logo, a little new branding. So did they all get new aprons and stuff? That's what I'm assuming happens, right? Because you, you get rid of the old ones and now they got new ones. So they're nice clothes, right? And that's exciting. Usually exciting time for team members to get new uh, logo apparel. So that's cool. Yeah. Nice smell of new clothes and, and everything. Well, um, they, they rolled it out in uh, in districts throughout the, the United States, but eventually uh, it, it came out and I'm going to have a link in the show notes to a picture of what that bib and and uh, uh, heart logo looked like. And Kroger said, hey, and actually uh, they were in the, they were rebranding. And I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about that, but they were doing a whole rebranding. And they said, you know, the multicolored heart represents uh, our new Kroger promise. There were four colors to the heart, John. There was a blue there's a yellow, a red, and a light blue, which Kroger said that represents our promise to give customers a friendly and caring service, providing them with fresh goods to uplift in every way and improve every day. Yeah, it's a nice logo. I pulled it up on the website while you were talking. It's a nice, cute little logo. It's a heart, right? It's a heart with those colors in it. Um, and so... It's a wonderful logo. So what's wrong with that logo? Well, here's the deal. Um, Kroger had been using the heart logo since 2016. So three years earlier, they had a simple white stitch over a blue apron. And uh, and and it was it was meant as it was meant as a feeding the hungry 
campaign that they had. A lot of people just really loved the heart. Kroger has a heart. Uh, and they brought in a bunch of consultants uh, from, from Boston, actually, and they brought in some branding ideas and messaging ideas from none other than the Walt Disney Company. And that multicolored blue heart was created. And what also was created was the Our Promise campaign that ended up launching in June of 2018. And there are four steps, and this is important to the story. There's four steps to that promise. Um, you know, everyone's friendly, everyone's caring, uh, everything's fresh and uplift, and of course, to improve every day. And the promise campaign was symbolized by there were four promises, four like outlines of this heart. And the innermost heart is a navy blue, which Kroger said, uh, and it goes back to their feed the human spirit campaign branding, and it's surrounded by those other uh, colors, the yellow, the red, and finally the light blue, kind of that heart outline. And Kroger intended the four colors <laughs> to represent those commitments. But you see, not everyone felt the same, that that's what that represented. Right, and tell me more about that. Yeah, so Brenda and Trudy didn't see it that way. You see, they saw the new logo as a rainbow. And they felt the logo was a support symbol for the LGBTQ community. And ultimately, a violation of their faith. You see, both women said they viewed the Bible as literal and homosexuality as a sin. So they presumed wearing that uh, bib of sorts, it's an apron, uh, and with that heart logo represented support and endorsement for that LGBT community. So here's my question for you, Chuck, right? And so, and I think this is an important distinction because whether we see this as... Um, a rainbow or not, uh, whether our religious beliefs are the same as Brenda's and Trudy's, um, that's not the concern here, right? I'm just clarify that for me. That's not the concern here. Um, no, what the concern? Well, the concern, and we're going to get into it a little bit more, and this may answer your your question okay. just a bit. Okay. okay, so so basically, Brenda and Trudy requested exemptions. From their store manager, they uh, they and they said, "Look, you know, we we don't want to we don't want to wear this as our religious belief, that sort of thing." Multiple times in the weeks after uh, the uniform changed, they would go and they would ask for an exemption. Uh, Brenda asked, "Hey, can I just wear my name tag over that heart logo?" And Trudy just outright refused to wear the store provided apron altogether, but she did offer, hey, I'll buy one at my own expense. Same one, just not having that, uh, that, that stitching. But the manager said no. And they pointed out multiple times that, hey, the logo is not a rainbow. This it's, it's not even the same colors. It's, it's not a rainbow. The colors are completely different. But they were rebuffed by their management. Uh, both women appealed in writing to the higher-ups at the, at the company. But instead of granting requests, 
um, for any type of exemption, Kroger repeatedly disciplined the women for violating the change, the 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 supermarket change dress code, and still, throughout all of this, uh, Brenda just refused to wear the apron or wore it uh, with her name tag over the heart logo, and Trudy didn't wear it at all. Now, I will tell you one interesting thing as I read into this court case, the a lot of employees were actually in support of, of them. And uh, there were times in the court case where employees admitted that they only wore the apron when supervisors were around. So I found so, that so, to be- So this was one store, right? And so you're saying the other employees at this store felt supportive of Trudy and Brenda. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Right. They so, did. Yeah. Does that play they into did. it though? It 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 does in a way uh, in that, um, well, I'm going to tell you about in a way it does because, but Trudy and um, Brenda were the most vocal, okay? And they were the most, uh, uh, well, against it and 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 displayed of you know i'm not going to do it i'm not going to do it the other people seem to get away with it uh so in fact during one counseling session see they became the target then of kroger's progressive discipline system outside of the fact that some people supported them and some people by the way were not in support of them some people specifically then started wearing rainbow uh, flags over the heart logo to emphasize that. And they were told not to do that also. So to be fair, Kroger was just trying to maintain the grooming and appearance standards, but they became the target of the progressive discipline system. Even during one counseling session, Trudy gave her manager a note said, I have a sincerely held religious belief that I cannot wear a symbol that promotes or endorses something that is in violation of my religious faith. I am requesting a religious accommodation to have a uniform apron that does not have a rainbow symbol. I respect others who have a different opinion. I'm happy to buy another apron to ensure there's no financial hardship on Kroger. So she was trying to come up so, with an accommodation idea. So her request, right? Her request was to not wear a rainbow symbol. Yes. That was her accommodation. That so was there her... could be an argument made that that heart was not a rainbow. Exactly. And and okay. that was ultimately Kroger's um, argument. And the, the court case is so long and so involved where they, they used every possible way to say that it's not a rainbow, this is not a... But in the end... In the end, and well, actually, we're going to talk about that in in a minute, yeah, after our after our break coming up. But it's important to know that on in May of 2019, the store manager's guy's named Sean Maxwell. He got a letter from a local attorney on behalf of nine employees there, referred to their feelings of discrimination, and the discipline did pause for a while while Kroger management tried to decide. Uh, should we do an accommodation request or not? But they ultimately decided there is nothing to accommodate. So what do you think happened? I'm still, so that letter to Sean Maxwell, and when they said they, 
the feeling of discrimination, was that religious discrimination or was that LGBTQ discrimination? That was interesting you bring that up. It was religious discrimination. Okay. It was so, religious discrimination. So there were nine employees saying that wearing the Kroger apron with the logo on it was discrimination, was religious discrimination. It was basically saying it's it is it is not um, it's discrimination against me because my religion says that that I don't support this and therefore I'm not going to wear it. You see, the, the, the whole thing here is that Kroger saying that's not a rainbow, but everyone else feeling it is a rainbow. And therefore, because it's a rainbow, it supports a certain community. Because I don't support that community and I don't endorse that community, I shouldn't be forced to wear this. Um, but ultimately, a few weeks later, Kroger fires Tracy, who, by the way, was 57 at the time. And three days later, they fire Brenda Lawson, who, by the way, was 72 for report repeated insubordination and failure to comply with company policy. Um, you know, Brenda later said, she said, look, I don't have any animosity towards individuals who comprise of the LGBTQ community, but the practices of that community violate my sincere religious beliefs. And wearing the logo showed advocacy. And she said she just didn't so, want to do it. So let's go back to, and I, I, I you keep pushing it away, so I'm coming back to it. Okay. Um, coming back to this feeling right the community violated her sincerely sincerely held religious belief what does that mean in terms of the law what does that mean chuck when we come back i'm going to share what happened and i'll be curious to know do you think the company was right or oh you know what i think right what did the judge say where did we go but they did file a complaint all right, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. I don't want to hear any more of this stuff. I want to get to it. Let's take a break and then we'll come back. Awesome. Hello, HR Stories listeners. I have some questions for you. Are you a small business owner, entrepreneur, nonprofit leader, office manager, or HR professional needing to smoothly run your company? and still deal with employee issues as they arise? Do you find yourself struggling with HR and employment issues, afraid that you could make the wrong employment decision that could cost your company thousands or even millions of dollars? Do you have a small or even no HR department? Maybe you've been given HR duties, but you're not an HR person or you are just new to the world of HR. Do you wish you could have one resource, a helpful guide, something easy and clear to understand to help you get HR right? Well, I've got good news for you. The team at HR Stories is excited to announce a comprehensive new resource, the ultimate book of HR checklists available in January 2023. The ultimate book of HR checklists is a comprehensive resource guide 
packed with 70 simple downloadable checklists and other resources that help small businesses and organizations get human resources right, dramatically reducing common employee management mistakes. The Ultimate Book of HR Checklists provides concise, practical steps for organizations like yours to use when hiring people, improving employee performance, creating an excellent work environment, and addressing many other employee issues. To be notified of the upcoming release and receive a special discount for our listeners, sign up for our newsletter at hrstoriespodcast.com and follow us on social media at HR Stories Podcast. And thanks for listening to the HR Stories Podcast, where the lesson is always in the story. Um, on May 29th, just to summarize, May 29th, Brenda Lawson and Tracy Rickard, employees at the Conway, Arkansas, Kroger, are fired. They are let go from a job they loved and they had uh, held for multiple years. They did not want to wear a logo on their apron that they felt looked like a rainbow and symbolized uh, what they equated with the pride flag. And after being reprimanded for their refusal to wear the dress code, uh, but before termination, both Brenda and Trudy had each requested a religious accommodation from Kroger. Brenda requested she be allowed, once again, to wear that name tag over the multicolored heart. And Trudy said, hey, I'll go and buy my own apron. You know, it can be the same one, same company, same color, just no, no multicolored heart on it. They both told Kroger and through written statements, actually, that failure to allow such accommodations and continued discipline, by the way, regarding this dress code issue, would be religious discrimination against their sincerely held religious beliefs. Right. So in their eyes, they are saying to the company that, hey, this is religious discrimination. All right. So here is, I, I did my research on the break, Chuck, because I wanted to make sure I got the wording right. I went to the Department of Labor uh, website about um, religious discrimination and accommodation. All right, so religious discrimination, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission defines religious beliefs to include theastic beliefs, i.e. those that include a belief in God, as well as non-theastic moral or ethical beliefs about right and wrong that are sincerely held with the strength of a traditional religious views. In most cases, whether or not a practice or belief is religious is not an issue. However, generally, religion typically concerns ultimate ideas about life, purpose, and death. Why social and political and economic philosophies and mere personal preferences are not religious beliefs. It is important to consider that an individual's religious beliefs may change over time, which is important for all of us to think about, right? Because somebody may come back later and, and to have a different a point, right? So their, their views may change. In, uh, additionally, individuals may choose to adhere to some tenets of the religion, but not others. 
and or individuals may have a sincerely belief in a religious practice that is not observed by others followers of their religion. Title VII also protects employees or applicants from discrimination if they do not subscribe to a particular religious views and or are an atheist. Religious discrimination also involves treating someone differently because the person is married to or associated with an individual Ooh. of a particular religion because of his or her connection with a religious organization or group. An employee cannot be forced to participate or not participate in a religious activity as a condition of employment. So that's the religious discrimination kind of clears that up a little bit. Now, the question becomes is what is a religious accommodation? All right, so here's how they define it. A religious accommodation is any adjustment to the work environment that will allow an employee or applicant to practice his or her religion. Mm -hmm. The need for their religious application may arise when an employee's religious beliefs, observations, or practice conflict with a specific task, like putting on a piece of clothing, or requirement of the position or an application process. Accommodation requests often relate to work schedule, dress, and grooming, or religious expressions in the workplace. If it would not pose an undue hardship, the employer must grant the accommodation. All right. So there we are. Right. We're back now. We're getting a little bit better. Chuck, I want to know more what what, what was said in the, the whole court case. Sure. Well, here's the deal. Uh, Kroger neither granted the requested accommodations, nor did they suggest any other potential accommodations. Instead, and, and this is the interesting thing, John, is that they just continued on multiple occasions to explain to Lawson and Rickard that the multicolored logo had no relation to the LGBTQ community whatsoever. But they, uh, but Brenda and Tracy were unpersuaded and continued to refuse the symbol. So after multiple rounds of discussions and discipline, Kroger did fire them for refusing to comply with that dress code. And, you know, here's here's the interesting part is the first thing they did was they complained to their union. They went to the union and they said, hey, we, this is an unfair labor practice. But the union felt uh, that Kroger was within their rights to fire the employees. Right, because so, the employees, right, let's be clear, they were refusing to wear company follow company dress code right so that was a company policy that they had in place and they refused to do it mm -hmm. because they felt they had a sincerely held religious belief that this symbol represented the lgbt com community which they right. were against right and as we get into it and i guess we're a little ahead of us ourselves here but i just want to say if it had been a rainbow symbol if it had been something that kroger and had said, hey, you know, we're support of this community, where the symbol, they might have had something there. But I think the the the, the I misalignment. Even, I would even argue that they would not, but go ahead. Okay. Well, they might have been able to say, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, there might have been a different type of argument. But right now, the argument is just centered on these ladies saying, this is a rainbow, and this is against our religion. And Kroger saying, it's not a rainbow, it's a heart with different colors. So they they continue going through this after multiple rounds uh, and, and the women are fired. There were two claims. And I said the union, union got, gets involved. The union says, no, you're in within your right to fire the employees. Brenda Lawson finally complained to the EEOC and they bring a lawsuit 
against Kroger in September of 2019. So about three or four months later. And there were two claims on the on this lawsuit. The first claim was the failure to accommodate. And the second one was retaliation, that Kroger unlawfully retaliated against the workers for making the complaint. Uh, ultimately, the judge threw out the retaliation complaint, um, but he said, you know what? We're going to let the uh, uh, failure to accommodate go forward to a jury trial. And Kroger at that point decided to settle. They ended up paying uh, after three years. Uh, they In October 2022, they paid $180,000 to settle what the EEOC was calling a religious discrimination lawsuit. And the chain also had to agree to create a religious accommodation policy, which they must not have had up until that point, and to give managers more intense religious discrimination training. So who do you think was right, John? Um, Kroger <laughs> or the employees or the EEOC? You know, ultimately the case was settled to, uh, it was resolved to avoid additional costs. And the EEOC said uh, it was settled to, um, uh, to resolve because of uncertainties of future litigation. In other words, Kroger didn't want to go to a jury trial because they felt that in the end, a jury of the peers in Arkansas might have agreed with these employees and therefore just decided it could have been a, a, a more impactful financial decision to just settle it. Yeah, well, and so if you're asking me who I think is right, I, I, look, everyone is allowed their sincerely held religious beliefs. Right? That's the that's the nation we're built on. That is that is the way we are believed. Um, I think there's a frustration um, that somebody um, can convert a symbol into anything they want. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I see a Nike symbol on your shirt and I say, well, that is the symbol of the Norse God and that goes against <laughs> my religion. I'm sorry, you can't wear Nike shoes in my building. I, I think we're taking it to an extreme, right? I think we can go into that extreme part there. Um, I, you know, I would argue that Kroger, Kroger did it just to say, like settled just to save publicity, right? Because was there, and let me ask you, Chuck, was there anything in their literature, anything in their documentations, anything that said this heart represents the LGBT community? No, there was not. But interesting enough is that uh, they did in, not intend, they intended, it doesn't matter what they intended the R promise symbol to mean. But here's the, uh, uh, in a way, because what they ended up doing was uh, there was no internal campaign. So this is this came out in the lawsuit was they just announced, hey, we got these new um, um, aprons. We got this new heart thing. Everyone wear it. And it came out. Here's the deal. Um, a few days after Kroger announced that they won a best place uh, top award 
for being a uh, fantastic place for the LGBTQ community to work. So a lot of employees, because there was no communication as far as until afterwards, here is the new logo, here's our Kroger promise, here's what we're gonna do. They just basically left it up to the imagination and interpretation of customers and employees, and it just took off from there. But there is nothing in the literature when you read, and I've gone into the, the Kroger's um, uh, branding and, and philosophy, and it's all about just our promise and our four levels of promise. But it's to me, it's sort of like, well, the individuals are taking a symbol that the company didn't say it meant that, no one said that it meant that, and and, and perceiving that and then saying, well, I'm not going to wear it. Now, did the company fail? Sure, the company failed, right? To your point, Chuck, I think the company should have done a better job with their branding. They should have been communicating this out. This is what it means. This is the promise. This is what we mean, blah, blah, blah. Because I think if they had heard that first, they want to jump to that conclusion. And the other thing that I've found fascinating in here, and this is to me the number one thing in here, um, and you kind of just jump over it, but is the religious, that they did not have religious accommodations policy. Yeah. That just fascinates yeah. me. A company the size of Kroger, right? They're the biggest number one grocery chain in America, would not have in their employee handbook, hey, we believe that all religions are important, blah, blah, blah. If you need accommodation, go to your HR representative, whatever that policy is. I just, I'm surprised that bowls me over. Uh, and so well, those are my yeah. thoughts. I know I'm very frustrated about this story, uh, <laughs> but I just- Getting you I, going. It's getting uh, you going. Well, let yeah. me tell you just a couple other things to wrap this up. Okay. Um, you know, what's the real problem here? The real problem was, uh, and I think a lot of people would look at this and say, oh my gosh, that, that's not a, a rainbow. And even if it was, they have opinions either way. But regardless of what Kroger intended for the R promise symbol to mean, uh, Tracy and Brenda just objected to being seen as supporting or promoting what they considered homosexuality. I mean, that's that was in the court case. It was in that. And I know that's frustrating to you. But so the real question in the at the end of the day would be and this was why they settled was whether it would be reasonable for those two to believe that and would other people, let's say a jury, a rational jury, which way would they fall on that question? Because I got to tell you, the community was abuzz with this. And um, even, even people uh, would wear their apron to a local uh, gas station and people were making comments about how they were supporting this and supporting that. And so it really got to be out of hand. I, I, I do agree with you that there could have been a better communication up front, um, a religious accommodation request, perhaps there were no alternatives, there was no flexibility, there was a failure to communicate, and even Kroger tried the hardship, undue hardship, it would be undue hardship, they tried that argument too, but then one of the assistant managers, a guy named Caleb, okay, Caleb said, well, you know, um, we got about 80 to 100 employees uh, a, a day in and out of the store on any given day. But, you know, 15 to 18 of those employees don't even have that 
Promise logo. You know, they let the, the meat cutting department wear different outfits and the pharmacy department wear different outfits. And, um, and the, uh, the Starbucks folks uh, that manage the, the we brew by Starbucks. So that whole hardship argument fell through. Wow. And so, so to me, right, to me, where Kroger messed up, right? And so Starbucks is just a whole different thing because that's branding totally different, right? They're asking them to wear the Starbucks branding, blah, 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 right? Um, so that's a whole different thing there. But um, if Kroger is allowing other individuals to do it, then there's no consistency, right? It always comes down to consistency and documentation. And so if there's no consistency, and you're making me wear this, whether it's my religious belief or not, you're making me wear this and you're firing me because I'm wearing this and you're not firing younger people. Both of these cases would have an age discrimination lawsuit in here. All right. So, John, let's wrap it up for the day. Any other final thoughts? Very passionate one today, right? A very passionate one today. Uh, I, I think my final thought. So I'm kind of going back to let's look, let's stop, right? There's a lot of politics, personal opinion, all that playing out in this story. This is a very current story Chuck's picked. Um, so there's a lot of that going on there. And so how do we, right? And we hear about grooming practices. We hear about people wearing t-shirts they shouldn't be wearing. And how do we deal with that in the workplace? How do we make that happen? All right, right? And so I think a couple things. One, and I said it earlier, I just want to make sure I say it again. Kroger did not do a good job with rolling this out, right? They should have done a better job telling people what that symbol meant so people couldn't jump to their own conclusion of what it meant. So that's number one. The second thing is, and I think it goes down to me, consistency, Chuck. I think organizations need to be consistent with how they do their dress code. In this case, do their dress code. I think they need to be consistent across the organization. So when we look at the story and we get into it, and this is how this typically happens, right? We have somebody that comes forward with a seriously held religious belief and says, hey, I don't want to wear this because of this. They have a right to do that, right? Or I need to wear this because it's my religious, sincerely held religious belief. And so that's really it, right? That dress code becomes important. But if as an organization, we are not, consistently holding our team members to that, then when somebody comes forward and we end up disciplining them and then firing them, it's going to come out that that's religious discrimination. If somebody comes forward and says, hey, I don't want to wear this because I have a sincerely held religious mm -hmm. belief or my religion doesn't allow it, and then we discipline them and then fire them, that is religious discrimination by definition, especially if we're allowing other people not to wear it. Mm -hmm. And so right. I think we kind of missed that in the story. Um, and so I think that, like you brought that up at the end and I, that was I'm like, oh, duh, that's the issue for me. I think that's really what we need to think about is and when we're putting these things in policy, um, what are there? And then we also, again, going back to what Kroger didn't have, the religious accommodation. There should be a chance for somebody to come to HR, come to the owner and say, hey, look, I have this religiously, sincerely held religious belief that says this, 
And then we need to be able to accommodate that workplace. Do we have to accommodate every one of those? No. If it's going to be an undue hardship or challenge our organization in terms of our productivity and our effectiveness, then no, we don't have to do that. The one we talk a lot about is um, in some religions, they need to be wearing loose clothing. And if they're going to be working on a manufacturing line, that needs to be tied back, right? Because we can't, that's a safety issue. Um, and mm -hmm. so going through that as well. So Chuck, I want to appreciate you for coming in and bringing this story because um, you knew that it was going to be a little um, controversial uh, in the thing. So I'm glad you brought it in because hopefully we'll get a lot of people talking about this um, in our, either on our Facebook group page or in the notes, right? And actually drop in the notes and let us know what you think. Love to hear your opinions. Obviously, there's a lot of opinions about this one. So I think it'll be a good conversation. All right, Chuck, what's your bottom line? Yeah, my bottom line here is that um, there was uh, there are two scenarios here. Kroger could have dug their heels in and said, we're going to a jury trial because this is ridiculous, right? This is not a rainbow. Um, and there's other folks are going to say, well, it looks like a rainbow and it doesn't matter. This is what I believe. And it's my religious belief. So there are, it, it was really left unresolved in the end. Kroger settled uh, to avoid, um, like you had said, uh, maybe some more bad publicity. And, and so here we are folks just wondering what would you do? And as HR professionals, as um, business owners, we have our thoughts. We have our personal thoughts about what we would do, what we would want to do. But sometimes we also got to step back and think about what is best for the business and, and, and move forward with that. So that's the bottom line. Yeah, Plenty I would other... just say one thing. I, I forgot which one it was, but the, the individual who said, I'll just put a, my name tag over it. Right. That was the solution. That should have been the solution. Okay. That's fine. Put your name tag over. Yeah. You know what? Another solution could have been is they could have just gone uh, to those folks that had a problem with that uh, would have been to maybe have a, the white stitching again, and just in the middle, say our promise or something like that. But once again, Kroger dug their heels in that this is the way it's going to be. And there's no flexibility with that. They missed all those warning signs and it costs them. And there's also a case law now. So now we're wondering where could it go? So stay tuned, folks. You never know what can happen in the crazy, wacky world of employment law. But when <laughs> it does happen, we will bring it to you on HR Stories Podcast. Thank you for listening to HR Stories Podcast. The material presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Chuck and John always recommend using the employment lawyer to handle any legal HR issues. We do our best to double check sources and make sure the information we are providing is accurate. We may eliminate or embellish without changing the basic narrative to make the story easier to understand. In certain circumstances, we may change in identifying information to protect the innocent. If you have any questions, please reach out, reach out to us at help at hrstoriespodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories podcast, where there is a lesson in every story.